Hello everyone, welcome to the Ronin Rabbit podcast, a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. We are a uh, spoiler, or this is a spoiler. I guess we doesn't apply since I'm the only one, but oh well. Uh, either way, it is a spoiler podcast. Be discussing the stories uh, as the, the topic in in a fair amount of detail. So if you haven't read these stories, be be aware of that. I'll let you know what story is going to be discussed this episode, and then at the end what is coming up for the next episode. That way you're at least aware ahead of time. This is episode 15 of the podcast, in case you're keeping track. I don't know about you. I do, but you may not be interested in the exact number. The topic uh, for today is the... Eighth, uh, seventh, eighth, and ninth parts of the story Samurai, which is basically the origin of Usagi, in as much as him being a Ronin. Uh, they appeared in issues three and four of the first volume of Usagi Ojimbo from Fanagraphics. Uh, issue four, which we haven't really talked about yet, was dated November 1987. Now, those main characters that will be discussed are. Uh, Gunichi, Lord Hikiji, Lord Mafuni, uh, Miyamoto Usagi, who is our protagonist, the topic of the of the podcast, uh, the Nico Ninja, Todobuichi, Kenichi, uh, who is a childhood friend of Usagi's, a male friend of his, Mariko, who is a female friend of his, but uh, perhaps we see that that has developed into more than just a friendship over the years. Murakami Junosuke and Magistrate Miyamoto, who is Usagi's father. Now, previously, we are aware that there has been a band of brigands riding uh, through the countryside, pillaging, gathering the supplies they need from a particular village, and moving on. The next in this line of travel of theirs is apparently the village that Usagi and Kenichi are from. So they are heading to that village, uh, hoping to head off the brigands or intercept them, something to prevent them from pillaging their villages as these brigands have done others in the area. So the story opens with the band uh, indeed uh, riding down on the village that uh, Usagi and Kenichi are from. They're stopped basically at the entrance to the village by the magistrate, who is the local uh, mayor, I guess would be kind of an equivalent. And we can see immediately that the magistrate does indeed bear a, a striking resemblance to Usagi. The leader of the brigands tells the magistrate that they are going to uh, strip everything from the village, take everything they need, and if they try to stop them, if the village tries to stop the brigands, the brigands will kill everyone in the in the village. So, given that, uh, Miyamoto has no choice but to um, accede to their demands. In the midst of this, uh, shall we call it, negotiation, uh, Marco speaks up to try to stop the brigands from killing the magistrate, and the brigand leader uh, is particularly interested because now he has a, 
a young girl that he can take with him to sate his appetite as well as the supplies that they are going to strip from the village. As their wagon is being loaded by the other brigands, several are holding the magistrate at bay at sword point and taunting him as well. One last time as they're getting ready to leave, the uh, head brigand says something to Mariko, who he has snatched up and, and sat on his horse. And he is overheard by Usagi, who now enters the village through the front uh, gate, as it were, the front entrance, and indicates that no one is going anywhere. The brigand uh, seems to uh, to be delighted that there's going to be some fighting, I guess kind of the the bloodthirsty side of him is appeased and he orders his men to attack this lone samurai and just as the attack starts uh, the the lead brigand that that gets to usagi first is struck down by an arrow several arrows uh, as a matter of fact and we see uh, panning up to the top of one of the closer buildings in the village is kenichi who has uh, snuck around, uh, in essence, to the back, uh, trying to flank them, Usagi and, and Kenichi. And he, Kenichi, has acquired a, a bow and several arrows. So he has uh, high ground and he, he has uh, arrow support, Usagi does. So now the uh, battle picks up in kind. Uh, Magistrate Miyamoto also joining uh, the brigands that were holding him at bay, having diverted their attention, and he now is on the offensive as well. So, uh, as far as we can tell, it's it's these three uh, warriors, Maimoto, Usagi, Kenichi, and a magistrate Maimoto, who are attempting to repel this band of brigands, and, and they seem to be doing so rather soundly, to the point that the brigand leader decides that it's best for him to just try to escape because uh, his his guys have lost the battle. And he still has Marco and, and attempts to flee with her uh, out of the village and, and away. Using the last arrow, Kenichi is able to fell the horse that both are on. Uh, the brigand leader still determined to unleash some amount of his evil, and he chooses Marco as the target because she has fallen also and is nearby. So he's attempting to reach her uh, to at least be able to kill somebody because he knows he's not going to survive all this. And he grabs her up, and just as he's uh, prepared to dispatch her, she has acquired a nearby sword and in turn dispatches him. Uh, rather shaken by the whole ordeal, she then collapses into Usagi's arms, which at this point uh, there's not necessarily... In, in this story there's not necessarily any um, describing or outlaying of any relationship between Kenichi and Mariko and Usagi other than all three of them are friends all three of them grew up in the same village so there's nothing significant necessarily about her collapsing into Usagi's arms that I can tell later on that night she's recovered and awake and they're all eating a meal, eating dinner, I would assume, it, it being night. And Mariko is expressing how happy she is that Kenichi and Usagi are both back in the village. We know from the early parts of this particular tale that they both left to go to the Dagoro fencing school to learn the, the art of sword. They've been away for uh, several years at this point. 
and this apparently is either either one's first return to the village. So Monaco is asking, you know, what what are your in intentions? What what do you plan to do? We find out from Usagi that he's going to stay a little while to uh, help his father get the you know, the village back in order after this repelling of this uh, band of brigands or brigands, however you pronounce it. And um, then he's going to continue on to serve Lord Mafuni as a, a samurai in his army. Kenichi, on the other hand, indicates that he will be staying, and uh, that's that's the end of it. There's no discussion as to why or, or anything like that. Just he's staying. Usagi is not. At this point, Usagi, um, who... All of this is being relayed to us via a, a tale that he is telling uh, Janusuke because Janusuke witnessed a duel between Usagi and Gunichi, um, at which point Gunichi was dispatched, and so uh, Janusuke asked, you know, what the what the deal was, and, and Usagi is telling him this tale about why things have wound up to where he dueled this other samurai and was forced, well not forced, but killed him. Um, the end of the tale here, both men, it's its come back from the land of the tale or the dreamland back to what is our reality with uh, Genoska, excuse me, and Usagi. And they both are um, beseeching the innkeeper for more sake as one is not done listening and the other is not done telling this tale. Continuing on, Usagi picks up the tale uh, at the point that he is indeed a member of uh, Lord Mufuni's army, a vassal, he indicates. A vassal so valued that over time he raises in rank and becomes one of the personal bodyguards of Lord Mufuni. This relationship allowing him to spend time with Lord Mufuni and his wife and son, the Lady Kazumi and Prince Suruuchi, their son, the, the Crown Prince of um, uh, Mufuni Land, or whatever their land is called. We also find that this is uh, a time where there is a lot of uh, fighting going on. And as such, there is a group of, of ninja that attack Lord Mafuni's castle. We see that they get in, and, and uh, in, in their rounds, going to whatever their end goal is, they're dispatching uh, guards along the way. Cut back to the Lady Kazumi, and uh, she's putting her son, Suruchi, to bed. And she dispatches her handmaiden and indicates, you know, she'll finish putting him to bed. And the maiden is thrown, the handmaiden is thrown back into the room, having been dispatched by some of these ninja that apparently are there to attack them. She cries out, and when she cries out, Usagi and Gunichi determine that they need to go to Lord Mafuni, and they dispatch all the other guards around them to go to find Lady Kazumi, who, the last they were aware, was putting the prince to bed. So they're heading to the prince's bedchamber. Usagi and Gunichi are heading to Lord Mafuni's chamber. When Usagi 
and Gunichi get there, Lord Mufuni is indeed under attack. Five, uh, five different ninja that we see here. They wade in to the group uh, that is now seven, and the three of them start fighting, ultimately dispatching all of the ninja with a, uh, a, the appearance of, of one of our death's heads. And there was a, a death's head that popped up also in the battle in the village uh, when uh, Kenichi and Usagi were, were fighting the brigands. So there's another couple death's heads uh, making their appearance for us there. Having dispatched the ninja, Lord Mafuni and his personal guards turn their attention to his wife and child. They go to uh, ensure that they're okay, but instead, upon entering uh, his prince's chamber, he finds that the his wife, handmaiden, and child are dead amongst the crowd, along with various of the uh, n the ninja clan that is there. Um, and I haven't, I, I don't believe I mentioned this, but these these apparently are the Nico Ninja or Neko Ninja. They uh, appear as cats, which, if I recall, Neko is is Japanese for cat, I believe. So they're they're all cats, but these are the Neko Ninjas, which uh, Usagi and uh, Gunichi determine, you know, by getting a closer look at them now that they have a chance to catch their breath. They indicate that they don't know who is over the Neko Ninja, but apparently Nord Mafuni is because he whispers the name Hikiji, who is a uh, a landholder um, in a in a an adjacent land. So apparently this is a uh, a struggle for territory between Mafuni and Hikiji, and Hikiji has launched, uh, in effect, what is the, maybe not first salvo, but the most current salvo in this ongoing feud between the two. And so ends uh, part eight, as uh, it is laid out in the um, Dark Horses special edition Usagi Ojimbo dual hardcover book, which is my main source uh, so far for this information. And uh, I have been uh, held to the fire uh, favorably. I, I appreciate that because these stories, as they are appearing in this book, aren't necessarily in the order that they originally appeared, aren't necessarily in a chronological order. Um, I think perhaps that these are arranged in this book in Usagi's chronological order, probably according to Mr. Sakai. That doesn't mean that's how they've appeared, and we will run into that again with this, uh, the next story for the next podcast, which I'll, I'll let you guys know. But uh, this is part nine, the third of our, our three parts for today, and it picks up on the uh, Adeshigahara Plain. Where there's a, this is six months later, there's a, a full-out battle going on between Lord Hikiji's men and uh, Lord Mafuni's men, and everyone is is dressed in their battle armors. Mafuni is surveying the field of battle from a knoll, or a hill, or the side of a mountain, but a higher elevation, uh, and he is merely sitting on a stool, uh, watching the battle with uh, holding some sort of sign in his hand. And everyone is remarking about how things are going and, and relaying what they're seeing and everything. And finally, Lord Mafuni indicates that um, it is time for the 2nd Brigade 
to get into position, and he uses this this hand uh, signage to signal us. And in doing so, he signals their charge in the Hoshi, or arrowhead formation. Now, that's what Mr. Sakai gave us, arrowhead. Unless I have misspelled it, and, and apparently I didn't, looking up Hoshi indicated to me it was star-shaped. So maybe what it is, it's it's the point of the star. Because to me that could would kind of re- resemble an arrowhead. So... I'm not sure how those two things jive, but then I'm far from being a native speaker of Japanese. Um, we see that, uh, indeed, this, this latest maneuver is, is probably uh, tolling the death knell for Hikiji and his forces, and as uh, such, Mafuni decides that now is the time for him to enter the battle in this its decisive moment, to be part of the the final uh, portion of the battle in overcoming Hikiji's forces. So he jumps on his horse and charges into battle, much to the chagrin of both Usagi and Gunichi, whose job it is to, to protect his person. And as he charges on, we see um, that Usagi and Gunichi are yelling to each other and yelling to other troops in a series of 16 panels on this one page. And I believe that it was done that way to um, to relay to us the, the speed and almost haphazardness and just the frenetic pace of what these two vassals are trying to do to keep their lord safe as there we see small snippets of art, but we see the the words as they're trying to direct each other and surrounding soldiers to keep their lords safe. Uh, finally, they they gather back up with him, and Lord Mafuni gives the signal for the the final sweep from Todobuichi and his forces that have been held in reserve to attack a flank as Mafuni's soldiers are uh, uh, finishing from the opposite flank. So this pincer movement will be the, the final, you know, final ending of the battle. But what happens is that Toda turns traitor and instead of attacking Hikiji's forces, pincers Lord Mafuni's forces between he, Toda's people, and Hikiji's people. So this turns the tide of the battle, and we see that now suddenly the battle is lost for Mafuni and his forces. Uh, Gunichi uh, feels this also, that the, the battle is turned, and indicates to Usagi that now is the time for us to leave. The two of us can get away and live if we stay, we're going to die because we're on the wrong side. And Asugi, Usagi, excuse me, uh, will have none of it. He's not going to betray his his lord, and uh, indicates to Genichi if he sees him again, he will kill him. And just in in the tussle, uh, Genichi strikes Usagi just enough to you know allow him to get through, and he disappears as the the final attack attack mass hits and everything becomes very chaotic and Usagi catches up with Lord Mafuni who Mafuni also has uh, determined that the uh, 
better better course of valor is to leave and as he's trying to exit the battlefield he is struck down by a volley of arrows in a in a honor uh, an honorable uh, display i guess or a, a discharge of his honorable duties he takes the head of lord mafuni just the head so that it will not be raised on a pike uh, showing defeat and thus humiliating his lord because he lost the battle and and usagi with the head of his former lord does manage to get out gets out into the woods into the mountains ultimately in a in a ceremony buries his uh, his former master's head um, taking a moment to realize that he now is ronin who is a masterless samurai the next day he goes back to the plains of Adishigahara to you know see if there's anything that can be done but finds that no the battle is over um, Lord Mafuni's men are mostly dead he finds out that Hikiji's men are hunting the surrounding area to dispatch the any survivors that may be around so Usagi goes to ground uh, he says for a couple weeks until everything dies down and he was able to get out that the battle of Adishigahara occurred Usagi says two years from the time that he is telling this tale to Jinoshka and so that uh, wraps up the tale basically Usagi's origin why he is a uh, masterless samurai why he's a ronin why he had to uh, duel Genichi why he still views him as a friend and an honorable person even though in doing the honorable thing he killed Genichi all of this he, he relays to uh, Janoska as a, a finale to his tale as they exit Genoska uh, says well you know here let me pay for everything and and again Usagi says no uh, it's bad luck to drink with a, a dead man's money because uh, after dispatching in the duel uh, Genoska pilfered Junichi's, Genichi's uh, pouch and, and took his money feeling well that a dead man's not going to use it so rather than allowing that to be used Usagi pays for it himself um, and says besides this will help me remember Genichi as a friend and so thus we we finish up the uh, in essence origin tale of uh, of Usagi uh, we find out I think quite a bit more than really we knew beforehand about uh, who he is and where he's from and everything like that uh, next up next episode I'll go over the story Kappa which was in uh, the first volume of Usagi Ojimbo issue 6 so now the story I just went through was from issue 4 and the next two stories actually as outlined in my hardcover are from issue 6 and then we will get to issue 5 of Usagi uh, Usagi's first volume from Fanographics and issue 6 is cover dated February 1988 in case that will help anybody find it I uh, don't have any uh, feedback or, or anything like that at this point so I, I'll, I'll wrap it up here if you do want to uh, email me with anything you can do so at usagipodcast at gmail.com the website for the shows is readerfeed.com I will post notice of when the shows go up on the website on the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo fan 
page on Facebook, which uh, I want to thank Mr. Hubble for uh, allowing me to do so and, and giving me the feedback that I need to, to keep straight with, with what's done since I only know kind of one side of, of Usagi's publishing history. Also, there is now a Ronin Rabbit page on Google Plus that I'll be posting notices of the um, files, the shows going live on there also. All you folks that do download from iTunes, please take just a second and uh, and leave an iTunes review. The, the, the iTunes um, page is going to be the reader feed page, but if you leave a review, of course I'll be able to tell that it's for Usagi, as opposed to one of the many shows that are coming out through the reader feed. do want to thank Mr. Derek Coward uh, for his technical help behind the scenes, uh, his administration in general of the reader feed page, uh, which is part of the comic book noise, kind of the comic book noise fly, uh, uh, banner, uh, which is a part of the deliberate noise family. So thank you. Thank you for your time, Derek. I do appreciate that, sir. And uh, on the way out, I, I do want to thank you folks for listening to the, the show. Uh, thank you if this is your first show. You're not too far behind. We're only a, a handful in this being episode 15, so you've got a few uh, running 15 to 20 minutes maybe to listen to if you want to catch up to everything and, and catch up with all of Usagi's adventures up to this point. Not not too bad, not too many. And uh, I'll have a uh, another episode out as soon as I can get everything together. I appreciate it, folks. See you next time. This is a Teal Production. <laughs> <laughs>